When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. is definitely Manchester United. Too far for Ronaldo to think about it. Oh! Absolutely sensational! It's red in Russia. This English night in Europe is Manchester United's night. Manchester United's start to the season left in tatters after a 2-1 defeat at home to Crystal Palace. Or is it? Welcome to Series 5, Episode 5 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, where we're talking about what this season really holds for United. The potential departures of two or three more players from the first-team squad, and we're previewing Saturday's game against Southampton. As always, there's our extensive youth, loan and women's roundups near the middle of the show, and we give you a sneak preview of our upcoming interview with author Benjamin Roberts. today's show with Jack away in California and it's been five days or so since United lost to Crystal Palace so I've had the the nice benefit of a a cooling down period if you like to reflect on the the defeat and genuinely think about the United big picture rather than be infuriated by uh, the result which we can often do on this podcast because we come in with the intentions of being clear-headed but football doesn't really work like that but with this game, it was so it's, it's so natural to be frustrated by the results and the performance as well, and I think particularly so because we've had so many false dawns since Alex Ferguson retired. We've had the hope under Moyes, under Van Gaal, under uh, Mourinho, even under uh, Ryan Giggs when he was interim manager. These these little false dawns, and they build up and build up, and each time they happen you still get hooked in by that hope again and again. And then when you come crashing back down, each time that's worse and worse. I don't think this is a, a complete false dawn. I think United fans got ahead of themselves. I maintain that United will probably finish sixth at best. And I think there is a, a small, very small chance United could finish outside the top six. But it's worth remembering it's early in the season. Hopefully this will be a, a positive reminder of how far United are from achieving anything of note in English and European football. Um, but really, this is the kind of result that will happen a few times. You've got to brace yourself for, for that reality because you look at the last eight or nine months since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over United. Fellaini, Herrera, Valencia sold. Sanchez and Smalling set to be loaned out. Matic, Rojo, Jones, Darmian basically out of the club, certainly out of the matchday squads. Solskjaer has now formed an incredibly young team, a young average age of the of the starting eleven, young in terms of the number of trophies won, young in terms of the leadership, a young coaching setup. Carrick's first role in first team football as a coach. Kieran McKenna's first role in first team football. Mike Phelan is back, but Solskjaer's first huge job as well. This squad is 
and this coaching staff um, is incredibly young and on the squad in particular, it's so limited. You can see it already. Martial and, and Luke Shaw are injured for the game on Saturday against Southampton. Who can replace them? 17-year-old Greenwood and 34-year-old Ashley Young. That's the reality at United. The starting eleven is so young, the squad is so thin. This project needs time. United will get beaten and badly a couple of times. City or Liverpool, I, I fear, could smack us this season. But this season will be for the best for United. I'm I'm confident of that now. Solskjaer is is changing the squad and the club. The link between the academy and the first team is is excellent, and he's really got to show his faith in that now. And I, I'm sure he will, aided by the uh, by Kieran McKenna and the coaching staff, and also by Nicky Butt, who's having that role between the first team and the academy now after after transforming United's academy so well. But it's Solskjaer who is transforming the culture of the club and the playing staff. He's he's fixing the wage structure with the departures of Alexis, um, with the kind of alienation from the first team squad of players like Matic, Rojo and Jones, etc. Uh, a, a less toxic atmosphere is, is at the club at the moment and it, it will take time. It's a project we, we really can get behind as fans, I think. Certainly I can. And it, it's one that we can really see the effects of by by watching these players who we've, we've for so many years thought not good enough or overpaid leaving the club by watching these young players being given a chance. It's not like Louis van Gaal's process where all we could see was, was the dull matches. It's not like Mourinho where you, just, you never really thought there was a, a long-term thought ever in, in, the, in the minds of Mourinho or his superiors at United. We are very thin on the ground, but this is one of the best sets of academy players for a generation, and, and there's more to come after them as well. I, I still don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will win United the league, or anyone else for that matter. I still don't think he's actually a great manager, but what he is good at when it comes to United is understanding exactly what the club needs right now. A clear out, a fresh start. If that takes falling out of the top six, being scythed open by our rivals, then so be it. Because it, it, I genuinely think it will be for the better. Now, on the game itself, I think the key thing we've got to take away from this game, rather than looking and, and nitpicking at various mistakes, for example, Lindelof for the first goal, Pogba for the second goal, uh, David De Gea for the second Crystal Palace goal, the, the key thing is to take away from this is that United struggle significantly against a side that's going to sit back and defend like Crystal Palace did for the majority but not all of the game. We haven't got the player who can unlock a side. James, Rashford and Martial need a game where they can use their pace. If you think back to the Chelsea game which was so resounding in terms of the scoreline, the contrast between the first half and the second half at Old Trafford for that game on the opening day of the season was huge and the reason the contrast was so big where United went into half-time 1-0 up thanks to a penalty from Rashford but Chelsea had actually hit the post twice and the second half where United raced away with it, scored three goals and dominated. The difference was that Solskjaer told his side to stop pressing Chelsea so aggressively when the defenders had the ball and that allowed Chelsea to have that confidence to come into the United half and as they did so then United had the space in behind the defence to to really use the pace of Rashford, James, Martial etc to really take advantage of that you can't do that against Crystal Palace you won't be able to do that against so many teams in the Premier League because that's how they win at United we've seen it Uh, so many teams have come to Old Trafford and broken these records uh, since Sir Alex Ferguson retired these records that they hadn't won in Manchester for 43 years, 29 years, 35 years, whatever it be, Newcastle, Palace, Southampton, West Brom, Norwich. It's happened so many times. And the way they do it is by sitting deep and getting a goal on the counter-attack. 
it's going to happen a lot again this season. And the reason is because United are so reliant when they can't use the pace of Rashford, Martial and James because of the failure to sign a central midfielder in the summer. United are so reliant on Paul Popper. And Popper can can do everything, but he can't do it all at once. United need another centre midfielder and that's something they're going to have to focus on in January because, as I said, this squad is thin. But not only is the squad thin, the starting eleven desperately is calling out for a creative midfielder who can who can help Popper to create things for this side when we can't use the pace of our of our blistering attack. Um there, there were a few issues against Palace that, that we should probably talk about individually. It was it was really poor airily from Lindelof for the first goal. And once he loses that uh, battle against I think it was Ayu, no one could be blamed for the goal. Maguire nor Aramamba Saka can reach uh the, the player and David De Gea makes himself big but he can't save that one and Palace then, then dominated and, and tore United apart for the first goal and there's, there's clearly some way to go mentally for this United side because it took until United came out for the second half for, for anything to really change and it was a shame because United were putting the pressure on Palace early on until they until they opened the scoring and things were looking okay Martial is still looking very confident some fantastic first touches from him but the, the attack just hasn't got enough variety about it um, and then for the, the the mental side of things shown again, um, Popper does fantastically to turn away from, from the oncoming challenge, but then Benteke snatches the ball off him because he's taken too long on the ball. There's lots of things you can nitpick at. Uh, Popper loses the ball, but for, had he gone backwards rather than turned forwards as he did, there would have been groans at Old Trafford because United were searching for a winner. Instead, he lost it. No one marking Van Aanholt because Zaha's on the ball. He sticks it um, back and Van Aanholt finishes past De Gea who should save. There's so many stakes after that Pogba uh, loss of possession that you can't just blame it on that. And and the bad bits of Paul Pogba, this is something that Solskjaer alluded at after the game, is is born from the good bits. His confidence on the ball, his ability to turn away from from uh, oncoming defenders. That sometimes results in, in him losing the ball. Um, there were some positives, but Overall, a, a really frustrating defeat, but I think it's worth preparing yourself for a few more of these uh, defeats or even routes against bigger opposition like City, Liverpool, etc. Because I think they will happen, but I think it, it is for the best. Now, reports suggest that Chris Morley is close to signing for uh, Italian side Roma. Solskjaer is uh, is kind of dumping all of his dead wood on, on Serie A. This is supposed to be a €3 million Euro fee for a loan move for Smalley. No obligation to buy, no option to buy, reported by Sky Sport in Italy. If Solskjaer has now got rid of Romelu Lukaku, Chris Smalling, Marin Fellaini, Alexis Sanchez and Valencia already, it shows that he may actually have the necessary ruthlessness to turn United around. It shows exactly the kind of team that Solskjaer wants at United. Young and dynamic with with pace and intent. And as I said earlier, it will leave United incredibly spread bare this season. United will lose a lot of games when they shouldn't and they will suffer from injuries, as we've already seen with Martial and Shaw ruled out for the Southampton game. But it is for the best. This, this club that, that we all support has suffered so much from short-termism. The appointment of Mourinho was the biggest indictment of that, perhaps closely followed by the the signing of Alexis Sanchez. And Solskjaer may not have success here, 
but he will make things better. Whoever comes in after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer United will have a better squad at their disposal, better players at their disposal, a better atmosphere at their disposal than Solskjaer did when he came into the job. And that has to be um, given some praise for. Now, the two players who look set to leave United before the European transfer window closes on September the 2nd, I think it is, or perhaps it's September the 1st, is Chris Smalling and Alexis Sanchez. Smalling, first of all, um, I think he's still United's uh, third best defender, perhaps fourth behind Twanza, but we haven't seen enough of Axel Twanza yet to, to to say that. Chris Smalling is, is United's third best defender behind Maguire and Lindelof. Um, and he's... He, I don't think he's been scapegoated necessarily. There are a few times when he was blamed... Uh, aggressively by United fans when it was in fact a, a team effort to make us so bad under Van Gaal and Marino but Smalling, Smalling's career at United it hasn't been amazing but in in a six or seven year spell where this team has been at times utterly terrible um, an, an awful team Smalling comes away if this is indeed the end of his United career with nine medals over 300 first team appearances having scored the winner in the matches of derby to stop city winning the league and i just think I, i've 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 criticized smalling so much on on this podcast and, and i think rightfully so every time we've done it but at the same time it's worth remembering he's at a much higher level and deserves a lot more respect than other united players during this this period he deserves more respect than than the likes of Di Maria, um, who came in and left and, and couldn't cope with it for than Memphis Depay, and he deserves more respect than than people like Phil Jones and Marcus Rojo and Eric Bailly who have just failed to have any impact. When Smalling was given a specific task to do, he normally did that job, and that showed when he worked under Louis Van Gaal. And Van Gaal gave him very specific instructions. He were playing. He was playing in a in a in a very defensive side, and Smalling excelled in that. He was he was Mike Smalling for two seasons, and he was absolutely superb. He was named Players Player of the Year um, in the 2015-16 season. Now he's not good enough for this new United side if Solskjaer wants to play with with centre backs who can who can come out of defence. He's not good enough for the England side uh, where Gareth Southgate wants to do something similar. But Signed for just over uh, £8 million. He played for England. He's won multiple medals at a, a, a pretty terrible United over, over a decade. And it's definitely the right time to leave. There's no doubt about that. But you, you wish him the best because he's done good work for United with, uh, with charities. And he's worked for Football Beyond Borders and other fantastic charities. He's done good work around Manchester. He's not good enough for United. But it's worth remembering that he is a level above a lot of players who have played for United in terms of the respect deserved than, than people like Alexis Sanchez, who uh, is supposedly unwilling to take a pay cut in order to end his United nightmare. United will have to pay in excess of, of five or six million pounds for the rest of the season towards Alexis Sanchez's wages um, as he joins Inter Milan on loan. Just the, the catastrophic impact of this signing is, is a, a stark reminder of just how bad things are, or things certainly have been, in terms of the recruitment at Manchester United. The sheer lack of research that went into this signing is 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 unbelievable for a club of United's side. So much of it was beating Manchester City to the signing. Now, that may be changing. Uh, the research behind signings of, of Dan James and Wan-Bissaka was very good. United spoke to their ex-coaches, their current coaches, to players who had played with them, to ex-United players who had who'd watched them or played with them. That was the reason they got those two signings and put their faith in Wambasaka and James and, and paid so much for Wambasaka in particular. So it may be changing, but the Alexis signing, it, there was so much that could show you 
that the people in the know about Arsenal could have told you before signing Alexis Sanchez there was a reason that City pulled out of the deal because he was nowhere near worth the money that United had to pay um, him every week. And it's left United with an inability to sell Alexis Sanchez, but also to sell other players who have now been given pay rises to, to reflect the change in the wage structure at United. It's had an effect on the entire club. And that effect will not end because United will be paying Alexis's wages this season. And if he doesn't play well in Syria, then maybe for another two or three seasons. It's it's incredible and a, and a reminder of the incompetence of the United board. Um, but clearly, he's such a bad influence around the side that United are willing to pay some of his wages, even though he won't even be playing for the team. Now, we'll keep this episode short, or shorter than, than normal, I should say. So, uh, a youth roundup. United's under-18s beat Blackburn Rovers 3-1. Two goals came from Anthony Alanga and one from Dylan Hugerwerf, a new signing for the club. Mark Helm got two assists. United are in the top four in the under-18 Premier League, level with uh, Wolves and Liverpool, or just behind them now. And United are three points off first place, Manchester City. At under-23 level, United won 4-0 against Newcastle United. A very salty tweet from the Newcastle Twitter account after that seemed to claim that James Garner and Tahith Chong were established first-team players at United. But in fact, of course, they're not. They've played a couple of minutes for the first-team. But Tahith Chong scored twice, Garner once, and Largi Ramazani once as well in a in a convincing win for Neil Woodside. Excellent from the under-23s this season. New players coming up from the under-18s, but also a manager who really knows what he's doing in Neil Wood and is giving confidence to these young players unlike the last two seasons under Ricky Spragia. Now midfielder Dylan Levitt, James Garner's midfield partner for the last decade at United. They've come through together in the youth ranks but Dylan Levitt has been called up to the senior Wales international side to replace Aaron Ramsey. An amazing moment for Levitt and I doubt he'll play um, but fantastic for him and, and it'll be a great opportunity. Obviously Ryan Giggs being Wales manager there is always going to be an element of, of Manchester United bias in, in his selections particularly in, in terms of young players but it, it's good news for Levitt and good news for Manchester United and the academy staff. In low news, goalkeeper Kieran O'Hara played against defender George Tanner in the AFL Cup second round. Joel Pereira, another goalkeeper, has temporarily returned to United after picking up an injury whilst playing in Scotland for Hearts. He should be back after the September international break, but he started well in Scotland. Not much news from the women's side. They're still on pre-season, so not much to report there. They get their season started in September. Now United, uh, next game, time for redemption against Southampton away from home. Saturday, 12.30 kickoff. No Shaw. Young will come in for Luke Shaw, probably. And no Anthony Martial, so Mason Greenwood should come in for him. It's going to be a difficult game, and I think Paul Pogba will be relied upon massively uh, if United are to win this game. Um, I'm going with a, a 2-1 win for United, but it's not going to be comfortable. Now, I said we keep this episode short. Um, and that's certainly true because it's 18 minutes or so of me babbling on by myself now uh, without Jack to to break up my monotonous tones. So uh, we'll leave it at that. I hope you have a great week and enjoy watching United on the early Saturday kickoff. For more from me throughout the weekend for that game, you can follow me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. If you want to see what Jack's up to and what he thinks about the game, follow him on Twitter at UTD Tate. that's T-A-I-T. And for the podcast itself, at UTD Weekly Pod, that's P-O-D at the end there. Have a great week. Goodbye. 
Now, I said in the intro we'd give you a sneak preview of my interview with author Benjamin Roberts, who's written a book called Bottled, English Football's Boozy Story. There's a large section on United looking at uh, the start of Manchester United when we were bought in 1902, uh, or not bought, but taken over by John Henry Davies, a brewer, after financial difficulties. And there's also sections on George Best and Sir Alex Ferguson trying uh, to arrest the drinking culture at United in the late 80s and early 90s. A good interview with him, about 25 minutes long. It will be out in three or four days. And there's some great stories about Fergie, Best um, and the start of United going back over 100 years. So make sure you listen to that. That will be out after the Southampton game, probably on Sunday afternoon. Here's a sneak preview. It, it seems like Paddy Crerand was one of the, the most sort of honest um, with Best and, and he spent a time, well, I think it was only about five days, but um, living with, with Paddy Crerand and his family just to, to see if that was the thing that, that could sort of sort him out. And They've, they've played a, a sort of weekday night match and he's in a taxi on the way back um, to to his house um, and he, over the taxi intercom he hears another taxi being called um, to the stadium to take the players to a nightclub so he turns his taxi round um, and goes back to remonstrate with the players and and really has a, a, a hard line um, against sort of alcohol in the life of a footballer in the life of a sportsman <laughs> Podcast Network.